So we um, are going to continue on in a series that we've just started recently called Be the Church. And uh, this is an important subject. And so we're going to take our time digging through this series. Let me say this, if I haven't said it already, you know, our online Bible Institute um, that we have where you can earn an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree, and it's all free. There's 117 courses. This will eventually work its way into a course. It's already started. So if you want to start taking courses just to, for, to learn, or if you want to get involved in, in earning a degree, uh, all free, just go in, get registered, and each one of these messages will become part of that course. And you've already done the biggest time part if you listen to me. So uh, that's what you need to do. So that's happening. So we're talking about the church. And whenever you read about the church uh, in the scripture, it's always referring to people. It's either referring to the people since the time of Christ who have followed him uh, up till now, or it's a a group of believers in a specific place, but it's always about people. And I want to make sure that we get that point because you're the church. We're the church. Um, right now we're the church gathered corporately. When you leave, you're still going to be the church. You'll just be the church on mission. And I, I want you to take in the reality that church isn't something that we do. Church is something that we are. 24-7, we're the church. We're the body of Christ. And so we're going to dig through some ideas in that in this series. And last week I talked about soul rest. Because as we talk about being the church, I don't want you to think it's just now, oh, now we have a whole bunch of other things that we have to go out and do. We're going to add to our load. The reality is that we're going to be the church as we are yielded to the Holy Spirit and our souls are at rest and we understand that it's His strength coming through us that allows us to go and be the church, to, to, to be what we're called to be. And so it's, it's not a big um, download of projects. It's just yielding to the Holy Spirit and being available to Him. To, to be the church that he's called us to be. And, and so today, we're going to add to that, we're going to talk about a few ways that God also helps us to be the church. So that's where we're headed uh, together. So that's the intro. Always a bad joke or two. Uh, these are quite bad, but I enjoy them very much. I googled the phrase, missing medieval servant, and it came back with, page not found. I knew they would like that. I, but never mind. If you don't understand it, never mind. I built myself a speech-activated car. I also have a regular car, but that goes without saying. Uh. All right. Scripture reading here on purpose. The missing one is funny. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. The Son, Jesus, is the image of... Of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So the Apostle Paul there is telling us 
Jesus is the head of the church and we're the body. And, and it's all been made possible because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. His willingness to go to the cross and pay for our sin and exchanging his life for ours, then defeating death, rising again, making a way for all of us to be reconciled to God. And because of that, um, that's what makes us the church. When we believe in Jesus, we become the church, his body. And I hope you connect with how awesome and amazing it is to be the church. That, that uh, this, this church now, the, from, from Jesus' time to now, all of those folks, all those people, that's the church and we're part of that. And, and the church that's preceded us has been faithful to the mission that they've been given. And they've told others about Jesus. That's why we're here today. And now we're to do that same thing. And when you think about the whole church like that, so, so we're all doing the same things. We worship and we fellowship. And the church has gone on before us is doing those things. But the one thing that they can no longer do because they're with Jesus is that in us now goes and falls the mission. The purpose of the church. It's on us. It's our time. It's our part. And so that's what we do. We're living out what it means to be the church, to impact the world around us for him. So we're the church. And, and, and we have to take that in. And I, I, as I said, just understand how incredible it is to be a part of what's taking place in the church. And the church is, is growing and the church is thriving all over the world. Even in places where it's persecuted, it continues to grow. We get reports from places where you would think the church couldn't even exist and yet it's thriving, but they can't talk much about it because of a, the, the persecution that takes place. And even in our, in our own country, they're like, oh, the church isn't failing and the church is this. The church is continuing to grow and make a difference and an impact uh, all over this country as well. It looks different in some places. Some denominations are struggling through different things, but the church in and of itself that's us we're continuing to press on in jesus and make a difference for the kingdom and it's exciting to be a part of that to be the church so with that in mind there's a few things i want to talk about today and the first thing is that as a church we are a people of mission we're a people of mission and jesus lays out our mission for us very clearly in matthew 28 18 through 20 then jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's a great passage and what we're called to, to go and make disciples and to teach and to do the things that God would have us do. But perhaps my, my very favorite part of that passage is Jesus says, I am with you always. So, so we have a mission, but Jesus is with us in it. And, and there's something so incredible about thinking that Jesus is with us always. And I want to encourage you uh, to think about what that means. Now, God has given us uh, a holy imagination. You've heard me say that before, perhaps, a holy imagination. And yet we, we often use our imagination in other ways. For example, sometimes people are very good about worrying about things and can actually take their imagination over a small circumstance and they can spend time on it long enough that they can work out a hundred different possibilities that might take place, all of them bad, uh, and they spend all their energy on that all their imagination. Well, it's because you have this gifted imagination that you can do that. But God wants you to use it for different purposes. And one of the things I would suggest that you do is you start thinking about Jesus being with you in the moment. Think about him there every, you know, throughout the course of your lives. I have a friend who pastors a church in Tampa. 
And uh, we had met, oh, I don't know, six years ago. So he was down in the area and he came through and we chatted and connected. And I hadn't heard from him from years. And then as the, the Hurricane Irma was approaching, uh, we were kind of in line for it. And so was Tampa. And so he reached out to me just before it happened. He said, how are you? And, and I said, well, actually, we've already evacuated and you know, it doesn't look great. And he started checking on me almost every day. And then the storm hit, and you, you know what it did. And I got back here just a few days later. And then um, within a day or two of my getting back here, he came down with a team from his church. Even before I had Alice back in town, he came down for the first time. What can we do? How can we help? And they just dove right in. And, and then throughout that next season, they were down with their team every other week, and he was checking on me every day. And so we, we became friends, and we still check on one another. We pray for one another. Um, and, and so we have fun. Some weeks ago, he texted me. And he said, hey, I was, I was praying for you this morning. You were on my heart. I was praying for you. And as I was praying for you, I saw you out in the little back kitchen of the church. We have a little kitchen back there. And he's seen me out there before. And uh, I, he said, I saw you preparing food, which is something that I do throughout the week. I, I'm always back there in the kitchen spending time preparing food for stuff that goes on here. But he said, as I saw you back there doing that, you need to know that I saw Jesus standing right there with you. And he had a big smile on his face. And, and that was such a powerful, helpful picture for me. And, and it was a sort of a reminder to start thinking about that all the time. Jesus is always with us. Sure, yeah, he says, I'm always with you. That word always means just that. Always. I'm there with you. Start using your imagination to think about him being with you throughout your day. That it, he's there and it will change everything. And as the church is now people that, that are, are people of mission, he doesn't leave us alone in it. He's with us always. And that's significant and very powerful. Secondly, we have another amazing thing is that we have the Holy Spirit. That's point number two. We have the Holy Spirit. And Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide and to comfort and to equip and empower and and to give us gifts, all these amazing things that take place. Uh, In the book of Acts, chapters 1 through 8, let me read this to you. Uh, It starts this way. In my former book, so Luke is writing this, and he's talking about the book of Luke. He's writing to Theophilus. Um, whose name means lover of God. Theophilus was most likely a real person, but some conjecture, well, maybe he wasn't. Either way, it's written to all the lovers of God. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See that last verse. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth. I'm going to empower you by my Holy Spirit to go and to be the church. Now... The Holy Spirit is amazing, Uh, and let's talk about this just for a moment together, because I want to make sure you connect with what's happening in the process. So when you give your life to Jesus, um, you're saved, and the word for that is justification. You're justified. 
It's so amazing the way you remember that it's just as if I'd never sinned. At the moment that you come and you give your life to Jesus, uh, you're justified. God chooses to see you in the perfection of His Son. It's, it's almost beyond comprehension what that looks like, but that's your status in the kingdom. You're saved. At the same time, with that word salvation, we also know that not only are we saved, but we're being saved. And so at that point in time when you give your life to Jesus, another thing that happens is that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes, and He begins in us this process of sanctification, of us being saved. And that means He's working on us to change us from the inside out. And over the course of our lives, He makes us different people. And He's also teaching us, and He's leading us, and He's guiding us, and He comforts us. And uh, He's known as the the comforter, the, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside and comforts so that we can go and do that into the world around us. And all these things are happening in this part of our life until the point comes when we will be saved and that's known as glorification and that's when we're going to be with Jesus whether he's come for us or we've gone to be with him but at that point in time everything is made new new bodies all the all the really neat promises of no more pain and sorrow and tears and you get all that stuff so so we're in this process right we've been saved we're being saved we will be saved but right now we live in this amazing time where we have the Holy Spirit living in us and we talk about how important it is to yield to the Spirit to learn to listen to Him and to, to sense where He's leading you and guiding you and follow after Him because that's where life is found. And we have the Holy Spirit to be the church. And as the early church had the Holy Spirit, the, the church took shape and it formed up. Acts 2, 42 through 47, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs uh, performed by the apostles. All the believers were together had everything in common and they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Uh, As they yielded to the Holy Spirit and the church was being the church, people were coming to know Jesus, which is our mission. And, and, and so we see it all taking place there, and it still happens today, and it happens in us. And so we're, we're to be the church uh, under the, the, you know, the leading of the Holy Spirit and what that means, and we'll see people being added daily. And that's, that's always our hope, watching people come into the kingdom, seeing their lives be changed. So Jesus is with us, and we have the Holy Spirit, and we also have... The Word of God. That's point number three in your notes. We have the Word of God. Second Timothy three, sixteen, seventeen says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So let's talk about the Bible for a few minutes. Uh, most of you know I like to talk about the Bible um, and encourage you to read the Bible because sometimes uh, I, I get that, that people don't seem to be able to get hold of what's going on in here. They don't understand how amazing this book is, that it's alive, that it's supernatural, that God put it together uh, in its divinely inspired literature. I think too often people read it like a textbook. And, and they find it, they, they get 
it gets dull to them. It's, it's not uh, something that they can take in. But you're not to read it like a textbook because it's not. It's divinely inspired literature. God put this book together where the first three chapters and the last three chapters line up perfectly. Even though they were written 1,500 years apart. Um, but because they were all inspired by the Holy Spirit, they tie together perfectly. And throughout, this entire thing is this redemptive process that Jesus makes possible. And you can find Jesus because this is his story in the Old Testament and the New Testament. He's there. And I encourage you to look. And you have to look like that, asking the Holy Spirit to open the, the words up to you and the book up to you. So it takes on life and meaning. Uh, and you you drawn to it. You want to read it because how amazing it is. And, and the Bible is good news. It's gospel. We're, we're doing on Wednesday nights right now an Old Testament survey in our Bible Institute. And I, I hear sometimes from the students that, that they have difficulty sort of embracing some of what's happening in the Old Testament because of how hard it all is and some of the intense things that are going on and they can't reconcile it with what's happening. But you need to know as you read the scripture that that it is good news. So even if you're in a hard spot, overall it's good news. Then God is always doing redemptive things. He's he's taking the broken and he's making them whole. He's he's bringing light into darkness. He's changing death into life. Um, he's giving beauty for ashes. He's, he's taking the bitter and making it sweet. This is happening throughout the scripture. And so you need to be aware of it. And if you're in a tough spot, you have to know that overall, it's this amazingly good news story. Well, another thing you need to know about this book is divinely inspire, inspired literature is that um, it is just that. It's literature. It's story. God teaches us in stories. So it's not just a bunch of bullet point facts um, because we can't take that in. Most of us don't learn that way. Some people do. I'm always impressed by that. They can give them fa- I can't retain facts. But I can remember story. Jesus taught in story, right? He came and taught in parables because there's something about story that helps us to embrace it and engage it and remember it and think about it, which is what he wants us to do. Well, literature, um, classical literature... Uh, as different formats, but the two major ones, you, you might connect with this, are tragedy and comedy. Tragedy and comedy, okay? And tragedy always starts high and ends low. There's a, a movement to it, and the word is gravitas, where we get gravity. It starts up here and it ends here. That's tragedy. Comedy, now when I say comedy, understand classical literature, comedy isn't like, a, isn't like um, I'm about to say Seinfeld. Uh, it's, it's not like a sitcom. It's different than that. But what comedy does is it starts low and it ends high. That's classic comedic literature. It starts low and ends high. In both tragedy and comedy, there's always a battle in the middle. In tragedy, the battle is lost. In comedy, the battle is won. Also, in most uh, literature, most comedic literature, at the very end of the story, there's a wedding supper. You know how your book ends, right? And so the... God knows all those things and he knows how we think. And people who would read this would start making connections immediately as to what was going on and how important that is. And so when you're reading through the scripture, you need to know that overall it's, it's sort of classic comedy. Don't take, oh, that's a, it's not like it's silly. It's, it starts low and it ends high. Remember, it starts in the, it's void, right? The earth is formless and there's darkness and that's how it starts. And it ends up, you know, lots of neat things happen. But at the end, it's ending up in this wedding supper and everything being recreated um, throughout though that and so that's always happening but throughout that process there's some tragic moments and and so don't get bogged down in a tragic moment because you know that ultimately it's going to end at a wedding supper 
wedding supper, Alice and I were talking about this, is so important because there's, there's something so hopeful about a wedding supper when you're, when you're connected forever with the one that you love. And we have that promise, right? So that's all taking place. Well, look at it. So I always said there's a battle. We know the battle in our story. Jesus has that battle. He wins that battle on our behalf at the cross. And we're going to end at a wedding supper, all those who believe in him. But, but there's tragic moments. So you, you can make contrasts as you're reading. So you look at Adam's story. Adam was born high, created in the image of God. He started way up here. What's he do? He falls. He sins. And he, it, it says back to dust he goes. You see that it's tragic, right? Uh, Jesus, how's Jesus born? You know, Jesus always has been, but when he makes his entrance, make sure you hear I'm saying that. How does he enter the scene? Low. He comes in. A, you couldn't come in in a lower way. He came in a, in a stable. You, 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 you can't even imagine a picture where the king of kings had come in in a lower sort of entrance. Low. Really cool things happen in his life. Then what happens? He goes to the cross. He dies. He's in the grave. Low. Then what happens? He defeats death. He defeats the enemy. He rises again. He's given dominion over all things. That ends at a high point. That's, that's classic in what takes place. So there's contrast. Adam. Adam lost his battle with the enemy. Uh, he was to subdue the beast. He was to have over, over, over all the beasts uh, uh, of everything. And what happens is that the beast overcomes him. The serpent goes over him, loses his battle. Jesus goes into that same battle, but what happens? He wins. He defeats the enemy and, and he rises again and, and takes care of that once and for all for all of us. You see, these pictures are happening. And so as you read the scripture, I want you to look for them and just kind of know where you're at. If you're in a hard spot, you're in the midst of a tragedy. But don't worry, the overall things ends at a wedding supper. And it's, there's nothing cooler than that. In a tragedy, the protagonist um, destroys, it, the, because of his actions, community is destroyed and it ends in death. You see that with Adam. He, he destroyed his relationship with God and his wife. And all his descendants were, were to end up in death. And yet Jesus, he, he comes and he wins his battle and he restores communion with God. And, and now everybody has access through him to be restored into community with God. And how amazing is that? It's these pictures happening throughout that you need to see. But here perhaps is one of the coolest things, I think, in this whole process. I tell you all the time that Jesus invites you into his story, Right? How about this? You get to choose how your story ends. You get to choose how your story ends. Will it end at a wedding supper with Jesus or will it end tragically? How amazing is it that God gives us the choice to, to determine which kind of ending? Do you ever, you ever seen interactive movies they have now where you can pick the end that you like? Now, I think that's very cool because I like good endings. I, I like a good ending. Um, Years ago, I, and this is, this is true, I, I would, Dances with Wolves, this is years ago, right? Everybody was talking about how incredible this movie was, but it had a really bad ending. So I didn't go to the movies to watch it. I don't like bad endings. But when it came out, and it was on VCR back then, the tape, and it was a really long movie. And so I was watching it, and I got to a point well into the movie where everything was really good. Everybody was happy, and, it, and I'm like, I'm done. I'm ending it right there. Click, turned it off, never saw the end of it. Dancing with Wolves ends awesome if you watch my version. But look, you get to choose how your story ends. You, you can join with Jesus who's won the battle. You can say, I want to be part of your story. And you end up at the wedding supper of the Lamb with the one who your soul longs for for eternity. You can choose that by following Jesus. And see, when you have that hope... That, that helps us to understand why we're here in the world around us. We want everybody to have that hope. 
We want everybody to move from tragedy into comedy, if you would. To move from death to life. To come to know the source of life. And that's our purpose. That's our calling. That's our mission. That's why it's so important to be the church. So think about those things this week. Think about Jesus being with you. Think about how amazing it is that we have the Holy Spirit in us. Think about being a part of His story and what that means. And if you've never chosen Jesus, choose Him because He's the way to life. As we press on in this series, we're going to talk now as we go about... Because the church is about people, it's about relationship. It's about our relationship with God. It's about our relationship with the people of God. And it's our relationship with, we'll call them the future people of God. So that we have a nice light on that. And, and those, those, all those relationships can be defined in the ideas of discipleship and fellowship and mission and worship. So we'll dig into those so that we understand them. So that we can go and be the church of Jesus Christ. The church that he's called us to be. into the world around us. Amen. 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 Ministry team, those are here. Why don't you head over the wall. People on their way over there are here to pray for you. Let me pray for you as a group. And then we can dismiss, have lunch, all that good stuff. If the meal turned out, you should have a great meal today. It's uh, Cuban pork and arroz con pollo. I just like to say arroz con pollo. (laughs) And plantains and rice and beans. Oh, good stuff. Now you're hungry, right? People are going to be staying for lunch. Papa, thank you for your amazing love for us. You're such an awesome God. Lord, thank you for inviting us into your story so that we can make a difference in the world around us for you. God, bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area so hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as Lord and Savior. We pray again for every church in this area, God, where your word is preached. We ask that you would bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God. Fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, Dad. Just one more. Thank you so much for including us in your story here in this time and place. You're such an awesome, awesome God. If you need prayer for anything this morning, the folks over there will pray for you. Healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations, whatever you got, they'll pray for you. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never chosen to be a part of His story, to be there at the wedding supper of the Lamb, I want to, I want to encourage you, do that today. It's, it's humility and faith. In humility, it's just admitting to God you're broken like all the rest of us. You've sinned. Asking God to forgive you what you do. And then in faith, inviting and accepting Jesus into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. If you've never prayed a prayer like that, do it now. If you need help, just go over there and ask somebody. Say, I want to know Jesus. They'll know exactly what you mean. They'll help you with that prayer. So if you need prayer for that or for anything... I'd encourage you to get it. If you're going to stay and have lunch, Lord, thank you for the food you provided today. Bless that. Everybody that makes it possible, you are an awesome, awesome God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you and give you peace. 
and go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thanks for being here. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. Prayer is over there. Lunch will be in the back. As you go, drive safely. Be kind to one another in the parking lot. Have a great day. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. See you later. Bye. Thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.